Today we are in Genesis chapter 17. Now it happened when that when Abram was 99 years old, Yahweh appeared to Abram and said to him, and what an amazing thing that God would speak to Abraham. And, you know, it had to be powerful for Abraham to have these visits, experiences with God. And I'm sure they had to help his faith. And recall that in Genesis 12, when Abraham received the promise that he would be blessed and have a nation that would come from his family, he was 75 years old. And here we find that he's 99. So 24 years later, by the way, Sarah still has not been able to have a child through Abram. So they have waited a long time, and now they're older. It's a really quite remarkable, the test of faith and the waiting that Abram and Sarah had to have before they would be blessed with a child. I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may confirm my covenant between me and you, and that I may multiply you exceedingly. And here we see again God continuing to want to bless Abram's family and have it multiply, and ultimately to have his family be a blessing. And he's asking Abram to walk before me and be blameless. And, you know, as God's people, he really does desire that we would walk with God, that we would be an example of, of who he is and just seek to honor him in all that we do. Then Abram fell on his face, and God spoke with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be the father of a multitude of nations, and no longer shall your name be called Abram, which means father, but your name shall be Abraham, a father of a multitude is what that means. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. So Abraham gets that new name now from Abram to Abraham, now that he's going to be a father of a multitude. You know, you do see something good here in Abraham in verse 3, that when God was before him, Abram fell on his face. And uh, that's an act of honor to do that before God. Um, good example. Verse 6, And I will make you exceedingly fruitful. You see how God just keeps bringing up his desire to multiply Abraham's family and his people. And I will make nations of you, and kings will go forth from you. And I will establish my covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, between me and you, and your seed after you throughout their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your seed after you. And what's amazing is that we, through Jesus now, have become part of that seed and part of that everlasting covenant and part of God's family. The Abrahamic covenant, we've been grafted in through faith in Jesus because just as Abraham in chapter 15 was made righteous through faith, now those who are have faith in Jesus have been made right by faith and have been grafted into the promise of God into the family of Abraham. And we should feel blessed as Christians to be part of God's family through faith. And I will give you to, to you and to your seed after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan. And, and here we are again, you know, dealing with the conflict in Israel and 
Abraham's family, which became Israel, getting that land. And uh, it's amazing that Israel has returned to that land, as difficult as that is right now. God said further to Abraham, Now as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your seed after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your seed after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. So this is now the covenant of circumcision. This is now when Abraham's told, hey, as a symbol of the covenant that I've made with you, I want you to be circumcised, to cut off the male foreskin of the male's penis, and then also the males moving forward from here. That's what they're going to do to show that they are going to honor my covenant and be part of my family. What is really important to know is that this is something God desired. Now, there's a health benefit to this um, when when there are more problems with the foreskin if it's not cut off. So, you know, that could have had something to do with it, that God wanted greater health for his people. But nonetheless, this was his sign then. The case is made in the New Testament. This is very important. And we talked about this. If you want to get a, a more thorough message on this, go back to Genesis 15 and listen to the teaching on that chapter that day. Because the point is made in the New Testament that although this is the symbol for the Israelites, that Abraham was made right by faith in Genesis 15 before there ever was a covenant of circumcision. And now in this New Testament area, era, when we have faith in Jesus, we're made right, and circumcision just doesn't matter anymore. It's not something that we have to follow anymore. That's something that is now counted as uh, Old Testament law to be circumcised, but in the New Testament, what's important is faith in Jesus, and that's how we're made right, and you're not made right anymore through circumcision. I want to read to you briefly some passages from the scriptures that echo what we're teaching today regarding circumcision. Um, So listen to this. Uh, In Galatians 5.3, it says, And again, I testify to every man who who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. That's the Apostle Paul in Galatians 5, meaning... If you want to try to earn your way to heaven through circumcision, you better keep all of the law. Uh, and listen to this, just three verses later, Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love. Our faith in Christ Jesus, and, and then that will be embodied in the love we share with mankind, but circumcision isn't what saves you anymore. It's faith in Jesus. Not that it saved you then, but it was something that you were to do. Um, Listen to Galatians 6.15. For neither is circumcision anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation, being born again, having faith in Jesus and becoming new. Um, Listen to Philippians 3.3. For we are the circumcision... And you know, circumcision got to be a name for Jews. Sometimes they would just be referred to as the circumcised party. And, and that would also be a way of saying they're part of God's family. And the uncircumcision would be considered a Gentile and not part of God's family. But what is being said here in Philippians 3, 3, 
for we are the circumcision, meaning it's as though we have been brought into the family line of God now. Who's the we? For we are the circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. And what's meant by that, you know, the flesh is usually, you know, referred to something bad, typically sin, but it's not always specifically sin. In this particular case, sometimes the flesh is like going back to trying to find a way to get to God through the law. That's now called the flesh. That's like doing it wrong. Don't try to get to heaven through Old Testament Jewish practices, but rather what matters is worship in the Spirit of God and boast in Jesus Christ. In fact, our faith in Jesus Christ is what is our circumcision now. In Colossians 2 it says, In whom you were also circumcised, with a circumcision made without the hands, meaning not you know, removing your foreskin, uh, <clears throat> but in the circumcision of Christ. Essentially, when you believe in Jesus and become part of the family of God, you're considered as circumcised, the family of God, without the circumcision. Now, if we're, you know, we circumcise children in America, typically uh, babies, but we're not doing it for a faith thing. We're not doing it to follow an Old Testament Jewish practice. We're just doing it for health, and that's fine. Um, we're not trying to do it to say that means that earns us something. We, we now know it's what is that faith in Christ is what matters. And again, Abraham was made right by faith too. So that handles that topic. But as we keep going here, this is where God appears to Abram and tells him that you're going to have this baby, that you're going to have and well, Isaac. And when Abram's told, he's like, he fell on his face and he laughed. And, and said in his heart, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Because the next year when that son would be born, he'd be 100. And, and will Sarah, who is 99 years old, bear a son? Verse 17. And, and Abraham actually laughed. He bowed down, but he laughed because it seemed so impossible at that age and after so many years. And that's how Isaac got his name, meaning laughter or one who laughs. So that's interesting. Abraham even turned back to Ishmael and said, no, God, maybe you want to do it through Ishmael. And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. But God said, no, Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his seed after him. And ultimately, that's Jesus, and then ultimately, that's us. But Abraham, later in the chapter, honored God, and he circumcised himself and his household when he was 99 years old. And uh, we're going to get to now the the birth of Isaac uh, very shortly, and uh, that'll happen in a couple of chapters. But So here we have again... Um, God's promise, and he's going to be faithful even though they had to wait a long time. And, you know, there's a lot of things we're waiting for. We're waiting on the return of Christ. Uh, we're waiting to go to our heavenly home. Um, and may we not lose faith. May we trust God even as we wait. And may we thank him that we are no longer part of his family because of the law, but we're made part of the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ. God bless you all.